This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Lovely Rita, meet her maid, nothing can come between us. When it gets dark, I tow your heart away. Breaking news. And tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, well, the news never stops. We're just coming a few minutes ago that... Former Manhattan prosecutor Mark Pomerantz will be testifying before Jim Jordan's committee. This is a big breakthrough. This is, of course, the Republican-led House Judiciary Committee. And Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan DA, the very soft-on-crime Manhattan DA, has just dropped his blocking basically all of the steps that he has taken to basically avert this guy from testifying, uh, because this is the guy who came out with the book uh, soon afterwards, was frustrated that at that point Alvin Bragg hadn't come forward with any charges against Trump. Mark Pomerantz clearly said he didn't like Trump, uh, didn't believe in Trump, that he should be stopped basically at all costs. He put that in a published book. And so Jim Jordan's committee said, well, we should have this guy testify to find out the real deal about the investigation into President Trump and what was going on behind the scenes. And this could be a floodgate of information because Mark Pomerantz, not only was he very close to Alvin Bragg, he could also be providing a whole bunch of stuff via emails and texts that could be extremely revealing as to what was going on behind the scenes in the investigation by Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg looking into President Trump. Remember, like during all that stuff with the FBI and we saw Lisa Strzok and her lover there at the FBI. Remember, it was like, we got to get Trump at all costs. We got to block them at all costs. Well, remember, they were basically soon afterwards, they weren't any longer at the FBI because it looked so bad. And it showed the politicization of at least a number of agents. Well, who knows what's in transcripts? Who knows what's in texts? Who knows what's in emails? And now a date has been set that Mark Pomerantz, who, again, is a former prosecutor there in Manhattan D.A. Alvin Bragg's office, will indeed have to testify. And a date has been scheduled for May 12th. What is your reaction, everybody? And could this be the opening of lots of details of what was going on behind the scenes to show that Alvin Bragg, who ran on the campaign of getting Trump, Put that in writing at the same time where he really wasn't going after repeat offenders in New York. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And here is Jim Jordan not too long ago talking about all of these roadblocks that Alvin Bragg was putting in the investigation that he says was definitely hurting their investigation to seek justice 
and get an answer as to why Alvin Bragg, who is dropping basically repeat offenders, letting their crimes go from felonies to misdemeanors, and yet if the last name's Trump, well, it was throw the book at him. Take a listen. They're obstructing our investigation, Brett. We have a constitutional duty to get to the facts, particularly when you have a district attorney interfering with the most important election we have, which is election of the commander-in-chief, the president of the United States. And understand what happened here. Alvin Bragg used federal funds to indict a former president for no crime. And then when we ask questions about it, when we want to investigate, he takes us to court. And he takes us to court because we want to talk to someone who left the DA's office a year ago, who went out and wrote a book on this very subject, did all kinds of interviews, was pushing to go after President Trump before he got there, while he got there. When he left, he wrote a book about it, and we're not allowed to talk to him to do our duty. They're obstructing our constitutional duty to do oversight. And it looks like Jim Jordan and his committee has now had a huge victory. Obviously, now there's a lot of time for Mark Pomerantz to prepare for that testimony because he was originally scheduled to testify before Jim Jordan's committee this past week on Thursday. And then, of course, Alvin Bragg was fighting that tooth and nail. A judge stepped in, said that he would have to testify. Then Bragg appealed it. Then a judge listened and said, hey, let's see what we can do. It was going before the Second Circuit Court of Appeals there, the U.S. Court. And now Alvin Bragg has said just in the last few minutes that essentially an agreement has been reached uh, basically with the Judiciary Committee saying these are sort of the parameters and that he will now allow Mark Pomerantz to go forward with testimony. I think he would have absolutely lost it on the next appeal. Maybe he knew that. And that's why he said, let's let it go. But what do you think this means for the investigation Now, of Alvin Bragg and his policies and, of course, his investigation of President Trump. Of course, you know, you look at President Trump now, again, has been charged with 34 felony counts of falsifying business records. And yet Alvin Bragg, as we know earlier this week, his track record on going after criminals, especially repeat offenders, certainly was on the hot seat at the New York field hearing. He knew that Jim Jordan meant business. He knew that those other people on the committee meant business. And I think he also knew the law was on Jim Jordan's side. I always thought, especially a former prosecutor, would have to testify that there was no way for a former prosecutor not to testify. It was clearly that Alvin Bragg didn't want anybody to testify before Jim Jordan's committee. He wanted to basically say, okay, I've charged President Trump and nobody deserves to basically look into it. Nobody deserves to basically investigate it. Nothing to see there. And of course, that is a bunch of hogwash. Well, here is Mark Pomerantz himself, because Mark Pomerantz himself, remember, did a book, published the book. In it, he criticized Bragg's office saying, you know what, uh, there was plenty there, he thought, to go after the investigation of Trump. He clearly didn't like Trump. And he also said that he just didn't like Trump's philosophy. He thought he was sort of a threat to society, if you will. And he also has gone on and done a few interviews. So I think all of those things also have hurt him to be able to say that he was going to block testimony. I mean, if a guy's out there doing a book and he's out there doing media interviews, I certainly think that there's justification for having him come before Congress, which does have oversight 
because there were federal funds that were used in the investigation of President Trump by Alvin Bragg. He can't say, you know, they have no oversight. That's what he was trying to claim. And that is absolutely not true. Here is Mark Pomerantz talking earlier this week, of course, on MSNBC. After Cy Vance had made the decision to go forward with the prosecution and the incoming district attorney, as was his right, made a different decision. Um, It was a decision not to go forward uh, with the case. It was a decision that I thought was profoundly contrary to the public interest. And at that point, I had a kind of personal decision to make. Do I keep my mouth shut, uh, go about my business, uh, or do I speak out? And I decided ultimately that I had a moral obligation to speak out because it's important uh, whether you like him or not. Donald Trump is one of the central public figures of our time. Uh, If he committed crimes and he has not been held accountable for those crimes, that's an important item of public business. It is hugely in the public interest to understand what happened. So Mark Pomerantz, the arbiter of justice in America, this guy, seems to think he and he alone basically can decide the scales of justice. I can't wait to see this guy on the hot seat. And again, I hope for sure that we can see some, you know, conversations because, you know, he's going to get up there and say, oh, I didn't like Trump. I didn't this. I didn't like that. I mean, I think he'll clearly show his bias. But the question is, will we also be able to see conversations? Because that could be really revealing if there's something in a text message between him and Alvin Bragg basically saying, hey, uh, don't you think we got to get this guy at all costs? Don't worry about the real criminals. Don't worry about the guys pushing people on the subway or the guys robbing people left and right in New York. Keep reducing them. But let's keep focused on Trump because clearly Alvin Bragg had Trumpitis. There is no question. I mean, it's in the campaign. He's right there saying his priority was to go after President Trump. And this guy seems like uh, Alvin Bragg times 10. So, boy, that will be a fascinating time when he testifies. And also, again, what conversations were going on behind the scenes? They normally would be fair game. And I hope that Jim Jordan didn't make any deal and say, well, we won't go after text messages or we won't do this. I hope that nothing was off the table to reach this agreement where Alvin Bragg decided to stop blocking this guy from testifying. Because I actually think those kind of things will be more revealing than anything he's had time to sort of think about how he's going to testify and pretend uh, like he wasn't anti-Trump. Where I think like, uh, you know, is he's going to be seething because it seems like he just can't stand him at any cost. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Let's go to Phil in the Bronx online, too. Phil, go ahead. Your thoughts, my friend. Rita, hi. Good evening. How are you? Well, I hope. I'm doing great now that I'm talking to you, Phil. <laughs> Thank you much. Thank you much. Listen, the way I look at it, it's very simple. If, now, first of all, he made a deal. A deal was made so that uh, Pomerantz can testify. Now, you got to remember one thing about deals. They're kind of restrictive. They can ask for what they want to do and not want to do. Okay, 
So let's not expect any any multiple sets of blockbusters coming out of this. But but I'm sure Jordan and his people, the other uh, reps, will take him apart. But you know what's a bigger thing here? Very fascinating, Rita. Very simple. The federal government has a, has the House of Representatives working for it. The interest of the people of this nation. It's a national interest because we have DAs all over the country who are pulling this stunt. Now, if Jordan is very careful and doesn't focus too too heavily on Trump, he could take this precedent anywhere in the country and go after any DA. They have that authority. You can't say no to the Congress if you're subpoenaed. You know what I mean? Sounds good, right? Actually, I like your thoughts. And First, I, I first want to react to your first comment because you heard I, you and I are kind of going in the same direction. I wonder, was there anything cut where it was like, OK, well, we won't go into this. So what were were there any parameters? I'd love to hear because this news is just breaking just now that apparently Bragg has dropped his, you know, basically blocking of this guy. So was there something cut where he said, oh, I won't get these kind of documents or I hope he didn't like do anything like that. That's one. Two. I think your idea is a brilliant one. You could take it across the country. And I can think, and sadly, Phil, there are a lot of cities around the country that need hearings like this, not just New York. I mean, I'm thinking of uh, the DA in Memphis, uh, DA in St. Louis. Um, there's also, uh, who is it that went in? Oh, my gosh, I can think of the George Gascon in L.A. That one would be about a year. Uh, I would bring every gang member who's been bragging about how great he is because he goes soft on them. That would be my first witness there. You know, it might be my first witness, Phil, would be the guy, the gang leader in L.A., um, if we did it there, is uh, a tattoo. The guy who has the tattoo on his face uh, of George Gascon because he thinks he's a hero because he goes soft on criminals like gangs. But you're right. It would be brilliant to take it across the country. Uh, let's go to Larry real quick. Larry, line three. Larry, your thoughts. Now, I just want to comment that I think that uh, Trump may have caught a break because the initial <clears throat> the initial case that Cyrus Vance was going to bring was not this case. He was going to bring a case that Letitia James is now bringing in the, in the civil uh, realm, basically about um, uh, bank fraud, about uh, overestimating the, the, uh, the value of his properties. Now, I think Alvin Bragg may have thought that that wasn't really much of a case to bring or he wanted to be a maverick. He didn't want to just inherit Cyrus Vance's case, thinking he could do better. But And now he did much worse. Because in reality, that would have been a better case because people have gone to jail for that, ironically, uh, if, he, if he actually did it, not as accountant. Uh, you know, that's the question, what evidence uh, Cyrus Vance had. You know, the pro- but you know, the problem is, Larry, and I hear what you're saying. Maybe that is part of it, that he wanted to kind of go a different direction. The problem with the Letitia James case, by the way, is this sort of quote, they're claiming the inflating of real estate. Um, and how ma- there are so many people who are successful business people that have a lot of properties um, that actually do quite often Here's what the value is. And often it's not the same as they sell it for. By the way, I think it's the Trump property in Washington. I think it's the hotel there that was wildly underestimated, that apparently Trump on his forms estimated it to be blank. And I think it was over $100 million more than they ended up selling it for. So sometimes it goes both ways. So I think it's a little bit of a hard terrain that Letitia James has. And I think maybe that is part of the reason, like you said, that he wanted to kind of carve a new path. But I think both cases, I think, are really weak. 
And I think it's going to be very hard um, on either of those cases to go after Trump as much as they sure seem like they want to at all different costs. Larry, thank you very much. We're going to keep your calls coming, you guys. 1-800-848-9222. What do you make of the fact that now this former prosecutor in Alvin Bragg's office will indeed testify? A date has been set, May 12th. Could this open the floodgates? And we'll also talk about Hunter Biden, a whole bunch of developments there. Stay with us. You are listening to The Rita Cosby Show on this great Friday night. It's The Rita Cosby Show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. And we are talking about this big news that now a former prosecutor in New York DA Alvin Bragg's office will indeed be testifying and a date has been set. Remember, there was a lot of back and forth. And now big news has broken in the last few minutes that it has been scheduled. His testimony, May 12th, and that could open a floodgate of details And Alvin Bragg has dropped his blocking of having this guy testify. He said, oh, I don't want to have anybody testify. It's an interference. And then Jim Jordan said that Bragg and his office were interfering with their investigation, their Congress overseeing. And now it has been settled that this former prosecutor, Mark Pomerantz, who wrote a book about his displeasure that at that time Bragg had not gone forward with charges against Trump. Of course, he has since then. But this could be opening a floodgate there. What are your thoughts about all of this, guys? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to BJ, uh, line two. Go ahead, BJ. Uh, This is a great topic for a Friday evening. Good evening, Rita. Um, You know, I think that Andrew Cuomo should be called to testify because he's the one that signed into all these cash bail law, uh, no cash bail laws. And uh, let's see how his testimony pairs up with Pomerantz's testimony about the research for the book. And also maybe his lieutenant governor, uh, Kathy, who was Kathy Hochul at the time, maybe she should be called before the committee. Let me let me ask you, hey, BJ, hang on, because you're going on a lot of tangents here. But let me just let me just to keep you focused on this. What are your thoughts about um, this Mark Pomerantz and what this could mean to the Bragg investigation? Because I think this is a really big deal that clearly Bragg saw the writing on the wall. Don't you that he's allowing him to testify? 
I mean, he's fighting it, and I think he saw that the first judge ruled against him. But what are your thoughts? I think he's trying to let the air out of the balloon slowly by allowing this to go forward because Pomerantz has a story. He is, he's got a lot of inside baseball as to what went on and when it went on and why decisions were made. So, for instance, all this no-cash bail business where offenders uh, were just thrown out onto the street – what the real reason is behind that, uh, why – I mean, there's about 1,500 to 2,000 career criminals that once you take those guys off the street, the crime numbers plummet. Why are those guys out in the street doing violence? 1,000 I mean, percent. And by the way, it came out also this week that uh, 300 shoplifters have basically been arrested uh, 6,000 times. So, I mean, you, you hit it on the head. I think the no-cash bail has been a disaster for New York. Real quick, let's go to Chris, line three. Chris, your thoughts about this? Uh, yes, ma'am. Thank you for taking my call. I know I only got a second, but I just want to say, you New Yorkers who keep shooting Donald Trump down, I just want to say something to you, okay? 9-11 happened, and Donald Trump showed up. He said, what do you need? Bulldozers, what do you, whatever, whatever you need, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got you covered. So, and yeah, in other words, down. in other words, Chris, you are behind Trump one thousand percent, right? That's what you're saying. Yes, ma'am. And okay. and by the way, the polls are showing it too. There's a new poll out that he is leaps and bounds above Ron DeSantis, and uh, I think that's why the Democrats are trying to undermine him. It's the Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, where we honor our great law enforcement and their families. A really powerful story coming from Brunswick, Maine, where Brunswick police officer Zach Huber was just about to get off his shift several months ago when an urgent call came in around 6 in the morning that a suicidal man had cut his arm at a residence and was bleeding profusely. Huber was immediately dispatched to the home and was the first officer inside. He said there was a lot of blood. Instinctively, he reached for his department-issued tourniquet and used it on the man's arm as they waited for paramedics to arrive on the scene. He also comforted the man and spoke with him. The man was taken to the hospital and has since recovered. Huber's actions that day saved the man's life, the chief of police said. He said that Huber acted quickly and calmly and patiently and also caringly and that Huber went above and beyond. I am so proud of him. Huber is just 36 years, 26 years old, rather, and he grew up in Massachusetts and he majored in conservation law enforcement and joined the Brunswick Police Department in 2019. Well, he was recognized just a few days ago for his actions by the American Legion with an award for outstanding public service. Huber said when he received it, quote, I was humbled. I was just doing my job and it's nice to get the recognition, but it's just another day as a cop. What a powerful and beautiful story. And it's so important to back our police later on, by the way, in the show in our next hour, we're going to talk about Lori Lightfoot. And some of her comments, uh, this is one of the folks who's always kind of talked about defunding the police and questioning the police. Well, what a surprise. On her final days as mayor, she's like, um, maybe there is crime. Uh, maybe we do need police. Uh, does anybody believe her? Isn't it a little too late? 
1-800-848-9222. Well, some other big news tonight on a Friday night. Uh, we are getting word that Hunter Biden's attorneys are planning to meet with the Justice Department next week as scrutiny of the investigation into Hunter Biden intensifies in a big, big way. First of all, some huge developments that have come out in, of course, the last few days. We have heard from an IRS whistleblower who essentially says that the investigation of Hunter Biden clearly was soft-pedaled and that there has definitely been politics involved. And basically the inference is that Merrick Garland, the attorney general of the United States, may have lied under oath when he was questioned during a congressional committee And he was asked there under oath, is there any political influence in the investigation of Hunter Biden? Is anything coming into play like politics? Are you is there any interference? No, no, no. Uh, Now that appears to be a lie. And if that's the case, who knows where that leads? That is a bombshell. Apparently, it's a senior investigation supervisor person at the IRS And we've seen his attorney all over the place speaking and said he is ready to testify and he wants to get whistleblower protection. Then the other layer to this is, of course, this other big bombshell that Michael Morell, who is the former CIA director, testified before Jim Jordan's committee and said that he was aware of this letter with these 51 intel officials and that he was basically reached out to by then good friend of Joe Biden, now Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, and that Blinken was basically behind this whole idea of this intel letter and said, hey, Mike Morrell, will you go out there, will you sign this letter, and will you kind of get other people to sign this letter, if you can, uh, to say that the Hunter Biden laptop is Russian disinformation? I mean, to me, this letter gave so much credence and so much capability for Hunter Biden to basically, oh, nothing to see there. And Joe Biden himself, nothing to see there with my family. Who could forget the very famous moment in the debate? Let's go back. This is 2020, October 2020. The letter has just come out a few days before. All these intel officials have signed this letter, including several former secretaries of defense. I mean, these are credible people who said, oh, this looks like Russian disinformation. In other words, you can just discount it. What a surprise. It's just days before the investigation. And now it turns out that, indeed, Joe Biden's team was spearheading this from the beginning. This, to me, is outrageous. This is election interference. This, to me, is a lie to the American public. It is outrageous because now it turns out, well, guess what? They were behind that letter. According to Mike Morell, this to me is a bombshell. And take a listen. This is that famous moment in the debate because Trump was trying to get the story out about the Hunter laptop, Hunter Biden laptop. Remember, nobody really wanted to hear it. Remember, they were blocking out New York Post on Twitter. And then even the commentator, the debate moderator really didn't want to go there. But Trump forced the issue. And listen to this exchange. I mean, the laptop is now another Russia, Russia, Russia hoax. And that's exactly be. what is this that's where you're exactly going? what this is going. where he's going. The laptop that, right. is Russia, yeah. Russia, Russia. Yeah. So remember, like she wanted to move on. Right. 
Well, here is Joe Biden, remember, responding when it came up. And listen to what he did. He used the letter as ammo to try to defuse the issue. And many voters said afterwards, had they known about the Hunter Biden laptop, that it was real, because it is real, and what's inside is real, they might have voted differently. Talk about interfering with the American public and not educating them and giving them all the information when they went to the voting booth. This, to me, is outrageous. I'm steaming mad because, to me, this is such a dereliction of justice to give the American public uh, all the information. And it was orchestrated by the Biden team. Listen to his response like, "Uh, there's this outside letter I have no idea about, and 51 people signed on to it. Take a listen. There are 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plant. They have said that this is has all the care Four, five former heads of the CIA, both parties, say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. Nobody believes it except the, his and his good friend, Rudy Gianni. You mean the laptop is now another Russia, Russia, Russia hoax? And you that's exactly it. what... Is this that's where exactly you're what This is going. where he's going. The laptop right. is Russia, yes. Russia, Gentlemen, Russia? I want to stay on the issue of race. Yeah, I want to keep moving on because I don't believe this either. That was such a disservice to the American public. And now that we are getting details that the Biden team was behind this... This, to me, shows such unbelievable orchestration. What a slap in the face to every voter out there, because they should have known that it was true. They should have known that the Biden team was orchestrating it. You just heard it. He didn't say that they were behind it, that they orchestrated it, had anything to do. They made it sound like it's some independent letter, and that's what they use. This is dirty tricks at its finest, and boy, at the disservice of the American public. Take a listen. Here is Julie Banderas on Fox News, one of the Fox News hosts earlier today, describing how she feels about it. You were just talking about people being blinded. You know who was blinded? Voters. Because voters voted for Biden, not knowing this information. Our current Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, is responsible for possibly burying something that could be considered election tampering. Because there are a large swath of Democrats in this country that have said in polls, a large percentage of Democrats, that they would have voted differently had they known this. Is it election tampering? Is it election interference? Well, it also begs the question, what else were they doing? Listen to this from Julie Banderas. What does that say about the president? Because he lied with a straight face. And if he's that good of a liar on a, on a, on, on a campaign debate, could you imagine what other lies he's told once he's in the White House? He fooled Democrats into voting for him, and he continues to fool the American public. And that is something that needs to be looked into. And I don't understand how a secretary of state is sitting in his office right now without calls for him to resign. Election tampering, that's a big deal. And it's something that obviously, if the Trump administration was in this White House, if we were talking about Donald Trump Jr., could you imagine the headlines on all the different cable networks? It would be it would be a mass I mean, it would be just mass kill on 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 the Trump. There would be no gray. Believe me, if it was Trump as the last name or a family member of Trump or somebody on the Trump campaign, they would absolutely be saying impeachment or resignation. So where does this go? And again, Hunter Biden's team. What a surprise. They're meeting with the Department of Justice 
next week. Well, here is former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo giving us his take. He was on earlier today with me and the great John Katsimatidis, who is the owner-operator of Red Apple Media. Again, we host Cats and Cosby at 5 o'clock on WABC Radio. You can hear it also on WABCradio.com. And this is what the former Secretary of State had to say about this setup by the Biden team. We'll never know because the Biden campaign clearly did not want us to know, right? So not only did they not want us to know, but they were effective at that. So they were successful. There was a New York Post article that was now proven 100% factually accurate, and they used this to refute that, uh, to, to, to do that, for a campaign to do that. Uh, is indecent and certainly changed the information base upon which so many voters went to the election that day. You know what? How many voters would have changed their minds, what they would have seen, how they would have evaluated these emails? Yeah, and by the way, a number of polls that were taken afterwards showed that double digits people would have absolutely voted for someone else or may have stayed home. That would have absolutely had an impact on the election. We don't know how much. But certainly there were a number of people who said it would have affected their vote because they thought Joe Biden was the squeaky clean guy. And now it turns out that he was lying to the American public, that he and his team basically set up this letter and he tried to make it look like it's an independent group. And he used it as ammunition to kill a story about his son. So what's going on with that investigation with his son? Why is he so worried about it? Well, it came out this week that there were six more family members that received money. So where is the money trail going to go? We'll have to see, but we may find out. Uh, James Comer, who's heading that committee, says we're going to find out in a few days. To me, I think this Hunter Biden stuff just stinks. Why is he going to such great lengths to kill the story about the Hunter Biden laptop when even at that point the FBI knew it was true? So why were these intel guys signing the letter? If they had top security clearance, they would have been able to know that it was accurate. The FBI had already deemed it to be accurate, that the laptop existed and the contents existed, and they were accurate. So why did they sign on? Were they promised something? Were they lied to? I think they should all be called before Congress. And I think Tony Blinken should absolutely be called before Congress ASAP. This is an outrage and a complete disservice to the American public. What are your thoughts, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jacqueline on line four. Jacqueline, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. Thank you. Um, you know, you brought something back to my mind, which there's so much going on with the Biden crime family that is an extension of the Clinton crime family and the Obama crime family, the media. The media has also been a big participant and promoter of everything that they have done that has been illegal. As you just pointed out, the FBI, they went directly to Zuckerbucks, and they had him squash some of the stories that they didn't want to come out and bring others to the forefront. So it's both the, t- it's the television media, it's the print media. And it's also social media that is complicit. And I have been saying that all of the politicians, starting with Joe Blow himself, all need to go to jail. And those in the media also need to go to jail for for, uh, selling the public a bill of goods. You know, you are correct about uh, the fact that the media has been just so complicit 
with all of this. It is shocking. And in fact, even this week, Jacqueline, I have been stunned. I've been watching to see like, okay, well, what are the other media covering? How else are they showing some of these details? And you know what's interesting? Uh, I mean, if you look at some of the other places so far, like on MSNBC, I have not seen them cover this story about Hunter Biden. CNN, barely a little blip. I just saw a little blip about the brag stuff. Barely a blip. Uh, A little bit about Hunter Biden. I'll give him that. But literally a blip. I mean, to me, this is, again, the same thing where they're blocking out the American public. So if you're not watching or listening to places like this, you may not get the full information. And I agree. They need to be an honest press so we can have an honest and educated American public. Uh, You are 1,000 percent correct. Jacqueline, you're terrific. And have a great, great weekend. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. Do you agree with me and Jacqueline that the media needs to step up? And also, what do you think needs to happen? Do you think that Tony Blinken needs to be called before Congress immediately? You know darn well if the last name was Trump, they would be going crazy right now. They would have impeached him like four times just for that. I'm telling you. And I love, by the way, Jacqueline, I love your, uh, what is it, Joe Blow and Zuckerbox. He had some good phrases there. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And we're taking your calls here on the Rita Cosby Show on this Friday night. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. It's the Rita Cosby Show. why they tried to hoodwink the American public. Clearly, I understand they were trying to win at all costs, but that is so sneaky and sleazy and unethical. And uh, I will say, I do like hearing a little Marshall Crenshaw on a Friday night. That's a nice trip. Uh, that's a nice, nice, uh, nice addition on a Friday night. It's 80s music always brings us back. Uh, but this is outrageous what Joe Biden has done. And now we're hearing that clearly it was like all the way to the top. Blinken was with him, by the way, at the Penn Biden Center. That's where, what a surprise, surprise, some of those classified documents were discovered. So is this now all a coincidence? I don't think so. Well, take a listen. This is Jim Jordan basically describing the intel letter. And he says, There was nothing ethical about it, that it was just one big smear effort by the Biden team. This has been political from the get-go, clear back to the Morrell situation when the story came out on October 14th, 2020, about the Biden business operation and was then Vice President Joe Biden involved. There was some concern that, that, that he was. 
and then quickly it turns into this political operation, that, that letter that became the basis for suppressing the story and keeping it from the American people just days before the most important election we have, election for president of the United States. So understand what happened, Laura. The 14th, the Post does a story. The 17th, Tony Blinken, senior advisor to the Biden campaign, current secretary of state, contacts Mike Morrell, gets him interested in this. Mike Morrell looks at it the next day, organizes on the 18th. All these other people to sign the letter. The 19th, the letter goes out. And then on the 22nd, the reason Mike Morrell said he did the letter was he thought President Trump would bring the issue up during that debate on the 22nd of, of October. And of course he did. And they wanted some statement that Joe Biden could use because, as Mr. Morrell said, they wanted him to win. They wanted him to win at all costs and not let the American public know that he orchestrated that letter. That is sleazy politics at its best, if you will, or worst, if you really look at it honestly, because to me that is shameful that they did that to the American public. And so far since this news broke, uh, it's like suddenly uh, Biden has wax in his ears. There's a couple times where people have said, hey, Mr. President, uh, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. So what is he going to do that for the next two years plus? Especially, look, he is planning on running. Again, the word is he's going to announce next week. So you can bet there's going to be a lot of questions thrown at him on the campaign trailer. What is he going to do, campaign from his basement like he did during COVID? I think so. He's going to try to avoid the media like there's no tomorrow because anybody with half a brain is going to start asking him questions about Hunter. He clearly lied about knowing Hunter's business partners. You see the pictures. He clearly didn't come forward with the American public that he was behind this intel letter and his people on his staff were behind this intel letter. This looks so bad. one 800 848 Let's go to Vito. Line four. Vito, your thoughts. How are you? How's everything? Uh, no one wants to believe that a, a drug-crazed kid is that is that smart and bright that he could uh, get a job and bring in all this money and, you know, uh, under the veil of some company when you know his father is compromised they're all it's it's one big lie they're money laundering all over the place they're spreading the wealth out throughout throughout his whole family and you're going to tell me that they that the fbi won't i'm gonna try law enforcement they won't bring in the family and squeeze them well, by the way, the Vito, there is word that maybe there is a family member who might be cooperating. Um, and you hit it on the head because at some point, once they, they needed to get access first off to the bank records to be able to show where did the money come from these rogue regimes? Where did it go? And they only got access to it, remember, a little bit ago because now the GOP has only been in control of the House for a little bit. Um, so, but you bring up an excellent point. Um, once they can start squeezing and say, hey, you realize that you got dirty money. Uh, we're going to go after you unless you turn on blank blank. Uh, that's where it's going to get really heated, and that may be coming up soon. Thank you, Vito. Let's go to Dom, Minnesota. Go ahead, my friend. Yeah, Rita. You know, the media will not step up because they really are the fake news, most of them. You know, case in point, Jesse Smollett. James Comey, Hillary Clinton. Yeah, but you know, the only thing, the only reason, maybe I have a little more faith. The only reason is if he is a candidate again, which it yeah. sounds like he's going to run again. He sounds like he's going to announce next week. That and opens that's not, the floodgates. 
and that's not by choice because Hunter, he's on his case saying, Dad, you got to run and win. Otherwise, I'm going to be in a jumpsuit. I don't want to be. That's ah, I see where you're going. But you know what's interesting, Dom? I actually think it almost exposes Biden more because the media will be more and more interested if he is still a current candidate um, or still in the White House. Either way, I don't think he's going to be able to escape this one, guys. It's the Rita Cosby Show. I know your name is Rita. Cause your perfume is smelling sweet. Since when I saw you down on the floor. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. Well, I couldn't believe my ears when I heard ousted Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot who is one of the softest on-crime mayors in the country. And boy, has she led Chicago to a massive decline, as have a lot of other soft on-crime mayors around America. Well, she, remember, earlier in the week was like, oh, what mayhem? There were riots in the streets of Chicago. And, you know, reporters were saying, well, what do you think of the mayhem that these kids are creating, pulling people out of buses And pulling people out of cars and beating up people on the streets. I mean, you see the video of it. And she's like, what, ma'am? I don't really know what you're talking about. It looked like a bunch of teens just having a fun time. I mean, she was constantly making excuses for them. And through her tenure as mayor, she was constantly blaming business owners. And in fact, when business owners were being robbed, she was like, well, they should have better security. As opposed to going after the criminals. This woman has been soft on soft on soft on crime and created the revolving door. And I think much responsible for the degradation that we have seen in the beautiful, windy city of Chicago. I love Chicago, but crime is skyrocketing there. And if you have weak leadership, boy, are you in trouble. And guess what? Of course, the new incoming mayor there, Brandon Johnson, who began the transition to power basically this week, Well, guess what? He's no better. I mean, that guy's worse even. He's even making more excuses for the mayhem that we saw over the weekend. And I just say pray for Chicago because Chicago is going down and sadly it's going down fast. And now the people of Chicago elected somebody who is to the left of the left and even worse on crime uh, than Lori Lightfoot, if that is even possible. So in the middle of all this, Lori Lightfoot has a meeting today with other mayors, including Mayor Eric Adams, also uh, Karen Bass of L.A. and a number of others. And they have a meeting in in, uh, D.C. where they're basically talking about issues and issues of crime and things that are affecting them. And I couldn't believe that Lori Lightfoot had the audacity to actually say, well, we have to focus on violent crime. Here she is, leaving Chicago, and as the door barely hits her on the way out, I mean, she finally makes a statement of rationale about crime. This is, to me, despicable. She waited the entire time during her tenure. She was so soft on criminals, allowing repeat offenders to continue to reoffend. She had one of the worst track records in terms of being soft on criminal across this country, and yet, She has the audacity to sound like she's like a tough-on-crime mayor uh, in her final hours and final days. To me, this is a slap in the face to everybody in Chicago 
and across this country. Take a listen to Lori Lightfoot for the first time. I think that I've ever heard her sound like she's tough on crime. Take a listen. As Democrats, if we do not speak the truth about violent crime in our city, we will be the worst for it. But I know that there are people in my city that are wreaking havoc every day and need to be off the street. That's that's reality. What do we say to not only the victims of crimes, but the people who are terrified about crimes in their neighborhood, most of whom look like us? If we say, yeah, the police department is spending all this time and resources to arrest, put a case on, and then the judges and the prosecutors say, you know what, we're going to let you out on electronic monitoring to wreak havoc again. If somebody musters the courage to come forward and identify the person who had just shot up their neighborhood and then sees Pookie walking bold as day back on the street two days later, what does that say to them? You're telling them that the criminal justice system doesn't care about victims and witnesses. And if we don't call that out every single day with these prosecutors and with these judges, many of whom don't live in our city and don't care about what's happening, then we are going to lose an opportunity to advocate for the victims and the witnesses and the residents who just want and deserve peace. We got to say it. We got to say it. Yeah. You had plenty of years to say it, and you didn't say it. And guess what? Chicago has gone downhill fast, thanks to your policies. To me, this is such a bunch of baloney. On the way out, she's trying to look like, oh, no, I was tough on crime. There is no evidence of it. And the fact that she gives us lip service on the way out, I think, is one of the biggest insults. Because she clearly knows that that's the right thing to say, but yet she didn't do it during her tenure. And now, guess what? Chicago has an even worse mayor on a record of crime, and things are going to go downhill fast. Well, there is no doubt that crime is going to be on the ballot. And President Trump has made fighting crime a major, major issue. By the way, a new Wall Street Journal poll basically shows a flip with him and Ron DeSantis. Back in December, he was trailing in a Wall Street Journal poll, 52% DeSantis, Trump 38%. And now in a brand new poll that just came out, Wall Street Journal among likely GOP primary voters that was just released a few hours ago, 51% support Trump, while 38% support DeSantis. So Trump's support is no doubt growing big time. And yet President Biden, even among Democrats, has like such a dismal, dismal record. It's like Democrats are like, no, please don't run again. We're begging you. We're begging you. And yet... It looks like he is going to go full steam ahead. Now, first off, this is what he said to Al Roker and the Easter Bunny not too long ago about him running again. Remember this? Are you saying that uh, you would be uh, taking part in uh, our upcoming election in 2024? Well, I'll either be rolling egg or you know, being the, 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 you know, the guy who's pushing them out. Come on, help a, bro- help a brother out. Make no, some news no, for no, me. No. I, well, I, I plan on running now, but we're not prepared to announce it yet. Well, while he's pushing eggs out of both directions of him, now he is apparently, according to many reports, that he's going to be running again and that appropriately he's going to do it while he's in his basement, basically put out a video. And there is no doubt crime is going to be a major issue in the 2024 race. 
And Dom was just uh, saying a little bit ago in the call, Dom from Minnesota, who called in the last hour, and Dom was saying that he thinks that Biden basically is running again to maybe give cover, in a sense, for Hunter. That Hunter's like, please run again. Stay in the White House and maybe it'll help us. I actually think by President Biden still being in the race, I actually think it is going to put all of his family's finances on the microscope. And I think eventually the rest of the media will start to do their job because there is no way that he can escape all of these questions about Hunter Biden, all of the questions about finances, all the questions about his classified documents. What about all this stuff with Tony Blinken? There are so many questions out there now tonight with all these new explosive allegations that have come out, especially in the last few days. And things are looking really bad for Hunter and the money trail, getting millions upon millions of dollars from rogue regimes. I don't think there's any way, especially if he decides to run again. First of all, he's got still whatever, a year and a half plus left of his tenure. That's one. And then if he is planning on running again, clearly his track record and his family's track record and all the tens of millions of dollars that his son took in and that he took in from rogue regimes. And did Biden change policy? Did Biden sell out American oil interests and try to help China, try to help Russia, try to help Ukraine? There are so many major questions. And I think the opposite of what Dom was just saying I believe firmly that it will be front row and center. And I think eventually the rest of the media will not be able to escape it. They can try to kind of downplay it now, but once the documents come out and also they can show these suspicious activity reports and James Comer claims that there are clearly lots of big money trails showing big money, big, big money uh, coming in, millions upon millions of dollars coming in from these rogue people from foreign strange countries that are not our friends coming somehow. And then they go to a little shell company or they go to a little LLC. And the only reason that that LLC, according to Comer, was set up was to be a masquerade for money coming in from Hunter Biden businesses. And then, wow, surprise, surprise, they end up in all these Hunter Biden family members. And now the question is, did money go to the big guy? Did he change his policy? And I think actually his little honeymoon with the media is going to be over because if he is running again after seeing clearly these questions now with money and if James Comer has the goods and there's paper documents, I don't think the rest of the media is going to be able to avoid it. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Thomas. In Maryland, line three, Thomas, where do you see this headed? Well, I'm concerned about one issue with, uh, uh, what's his name, the dirtbag there. Uh, uh, Which dirtbag? There's a lot of them. Go ahead. Which one? Hunter. Is it true if, if, that they've kept him in the White House so that he can't be subpoenaed? I have because- heard that. By the way, I have heard that. There's been multiple reports that that's the case. Um, although. You know, you can make the case that he's been traveling a lot with him. He was over there in Dublin. He was over there uh, at the Easter egg roll. So if somebody could kind of get into an event uh, and say, hey, uh, you know, tip of the day to the Irish or, hey, here's a shamrock beer. Hey, here's your subpoena. You know, 
So it's <laughs> so he has he's been pretty public. And in fact, you know what's interesting, Thomas? What I have been astounded and and talk about I use the phrase cojones. That's a nice way to say uh, guts, right? They have been sticking it in the judiciary's face and the American public's face because Hunter has been all over the place of late. He's been over there in Dublin. He's been waving. He's been talking to kids. He did an event at the uh, at his art gallery. Uh, not that his art is worth anything, but he's been doing events at his art gallery. He's been like very like blatantly public of late, like nothing to see here. And I have no doubt in my mind, Thomas, that that is orchestrated too, because they want to try to look like nothing's wrong. This everything's fine. And, and in fact, Hunter is like Hunter's invited at every single thing of late. You know, it's like, oh, there's a there's a Easter egg roll for the Indian community uh, tied with the Bangladeshi and the this. And Hunter's going to be there like there, there's no event Hunter doesn't seem to be at these days. Go ahead. Well, these people are, are representing our country amongst, you know, uh, out on the world stage. And uh, I, I retired from the military and when we were overseas. You know, they were, we were told to act accordingly and, and don't cause any trouble out in the, you know, the communities where we were at in different countries. And uh, that's exactly what they're doing. They're going out there and they're airing all our dirty laundry uh, around the world. Yeah, and, and, and Hunter is trying to act like nothing to see here. Everything's great. Yeah, right. Let's go. Tom, thank you very much. Let's go to Rosemary. Rosemary, your thoughts. Yes. Hi. How you doing? Good. Where do you see this going? And and do you think that Biden is going to at some point have to answer and Tony Blinken have to answer and Hunter Biden uh, should be a subpoena number one? Uh, they should all answer. <laughs> but I don't know what answers we're going to get. I called because I don't know if you saw the press conference today with Jean Pierre. Uh, yes, yes, I did. What did you make of uh, this? Is the White House press secretary Corinne Jean Pierre? What did you make? Oh gosh! At the end of it, how she said when they were asking one of the uh, media persons were asking her a question, she said, "Well, I'm going to tell you. You know, uh, you all know that he's going to announce next week, but from then on, with the campaigning, um, I'm not going to be answering." Any political questions, any polls, or anything pertaining to the campaign. Ah, so you know what's interesting, Rosemary? So she may be just like, remember when there were questions about Hunter? She's like, oh, well, we can't really talk about investigations. But if you want to talk about January 6th or anything that tied to Trump, I'll be happy to talk all day long. You know, I mean, it's like talk about the double standards. But you bring up an excellent point, Rosemary that they may use that as cover, like, well, you know what? He can't talk about it because it's an ongoing investigation and we're not allowed to, quote, interfere, even though clearly they interfered, according to this whistleblower. Uh, I just think they can't keep dodging and weaving, especially this. I think this IRS whistleblower, a guy who works at the IRS, senior supervisor, seems incredibly credible. His attorney has come out speaking very eloquently and passionately, said he's ready to testify before Democrats and Republicans. Uh, I I don't know how long they can stay quiet, but I think they're going to try to use that tactic. I think you are spot on. We're going to continue your calls, everybody. one 800 848 9222. Do you think the Hunter, I guess, uh, 
art cavalcade, Parmesan cheese cavalcade, all of that, and then some is starting to crumble. Is the Parmesan cheese with Hunter Biden finally crumbling? You know what I mean by that one. 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. There's a lot of things that tie in a hunter there. Wow. And things are going to get very spirited with Hunter Biden and the House Judiciary Committee. I don't think there's any way that Joe Biden and his family can avoid not being on the hot seat. I think at this point, there is so much documentation, according to James Comer, who is, of course, on the other committee, the Oversight Committee, and then you got Jim Jordan on the other side looking at other stuff. There's a lot of stuff. And then you got a whistleblower. And now we got Tony Blinken basically orchestrating, according to these reports, this fake intel letter. It is millions different direction. And all of these things look really bad. Where do you see it headed? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Robert. Line two. Robert, your thoughts about uh, the Biden about to announce his second run. I can't believe this. Go ahead. Well, this guy, I mean, he's the most corrupt, inconsiderate president. He's a, he's one of probably one of the nastiest guys to ever enter presidency. I mean, look at the people he picked. I mean, he doesn't care. And he's also, he's deficient. Well, and, and by the way, Robert, now we know he's hardcore in terms of, you know, he pretended like he's the nice guy, the unifier, and he is clearly not opposed to dirty tricks. I think they stole the election. Nobody wants to say it. They always blocked YouTube comments. I really, you know, he was having problems right from the beginning. They tried to hide it. But I think Kennedy is going to pull ahead of him. Because they, he's, ah. a, he's, he's a very honest guy. And you he mean, obviously, Robert F. Kennedy. And, and you know, it's yeah. interesting, Robert. He's already done really well. Like, I mean, in the polls, uh, it just came out. He's got, obviously, name recognition. And uh, the folks also, by the way, that um, are, you know, want the left wing of the Democratic Party, if you will, the left of the left, they love Robert Kennedy. And he already has 14 percent in a new poll. Um, so you're right. He might actually put a dent and that might have actually hastened up Biden to say, hey, maybe I should run. Uh, let's go to Robert in Suffolk County. Robert, your thoughts. Hey, Robert, you there? Call back, Robert. Call, let's go to Jimmy in Brooklyn. Go ahead, Jimmy. Yes, uh, when we talk, I hear a lot of people complaining everything going wrong. They're blaming Biden. It's Biden, Biden. No, you have to look at everybody who put Biden in office. It's not just Biden. Those 51 intelligence agencies, the media, even some of the conservatives of New York Post who are denouncing Trump. You hurt Trump, you got Biden. So it's all their fault, not just Biden. We are in trouble. Well, there's a lot of people to look at. Good points. We're going to talk about crime and Lori Lightfoot and Democrats, some of them saying defund the police, some of them pretending differently. It's the Rita Cosby Show. 
Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, which I love doing, and is an opportunity to give a shout out, of course, to our great military and also to their families. A beautiful story coming from Ruskin, Florida, where a World War II veteran named Gladys Blount says it was a friend who encouraged her to enlist into the Army in 1945. She said they were just boys and old men. And she was talking to a number of them, and they said, why don't you join the Army? And she decided to do it, well, the next day. She is originally from New Jersey, and she signed up with the 6888th Central Postal Directory Battalion, also known as the 6888. She flew to England and became one of the 855 members of the all-black female unit. She said going over there on the ships and through the ocean, she said, we felt it was our duty to serve. She is one of six surviving members of the legendary battalion, the 6888. Now, her job was basically handling letters upon letters every single day, transferring the new address, replacing it with the old, and making sure that 17 million pieces of mail stacked up were able to get to as many of them on the front lines and elsewhere. What an important thing to do. She said their motto was no mail, low morale. So it was important to keep the morale high of the troops and let them know that people were thinking of them. By the way, on June 6th, which of course is the anniversary of D-Day, she will turn 101 years old. And there's a Netflix movie coming out about the 6888. A Broadway musical is also in development. And the group is also being honored with a Congressional Gold Medal. Now, Blount was asked, what does she think about all of this? She says, you know what, she just did her part because she loved her country. She said uh, all of this makes her very proud, and it is definitely unexpected. And she would do what she did all over again for her country. What a beautiful, beautiful story. And how nice to see this great member of the greatest generation being honored. Well, things are a mess on major U.S. streets across this country. You see it everywhere. Uh, you see it in New York, you see it in Los Angeles, you see it in Memphis, you see it over in Portland, you see it in St. Louis, you see it in Philadelphia. All over the place, the streets are a mess. Seattle, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Crime is skyrocketing. And I couldn't believe this today. Lori Lightfoot, who is leaving in Chicago, Chicago is a disaster. It is, it is just, it, I don't even think it's ever going to recuperate. It is so bad and so dangerous. So last weekend, I'm sure many of you saw the videos. You see these videos of like teenagers, dozens of them just attacking a couple as they were walking down the street. I mean, for no reason, just beating up on this couple mercilessly. There's also video of them going over to buses, pulling out bus drivers, beating up bus drivers, pulling out of drivers, out of cars, going through stores. It was almost like the whole feeling of the whole craziness of the summer of love, if you will, which was far from a summer of love. And Lori Lightfoot has done nothing. All she has done during her tenure of mayor is condemning store owners, uh, giving soft pedal to criminals, young teenagers saying, oh, what's the problem? Well, take a listen to what she actually said today. Now, remember, she's going to be leaving office next month. 
Uh, she has less than a month left on her tenure. Uh, the new mayor, Brandon Johnson, who's worse than Lori Lightfoot. Well, he's coming in. His inauguration is May 15th. So listen to what Lori Lightfoot had the audacity to say today uh, as she's going out the door. Finally, she has an epiphany that maybe crime is bad for the city of Chicago. As Democrats, if we do not speak the truth about violent crime in our city, we will be the worst for it. But I know that there are people in my city that are wreaking havoc every day and need to be off the street. That's that's reality. What do we say to not only the victims of crimes, but the people who are terrified about crimes in their neighborhood, most of whom look like us? If we say, yeah, the police department is spending all this time and resources to arrest, put a case on, and then the judges and the prosecutors say, you know what, we're going to let you out on electronic monitoring to wreak havoc again. If somebody musters the courage to come forward and identify the person who had just shot up their neighborhood and then sees Pookie walking bold as day back on the street two days later, what does that say to them? You're telling them that the criminal justice system doesn't care about victims and witnesses. And if we don't call that out every single day with these prosecutors and with these judges, many of whom don't live in our city and don't care about what's happening, then we are going to lose an opportunity to advocate for the victims and the witnesses and the residents who just want and deserve peace. We got to say it. We got to say it. Yeah, so where was she saying it the whole time that she has been mayor? To me, that is so outrageous and so insincere and just a whole bunch of lip service. So she could say, oh, I said it when I was mayor. She had this whole time to crack down on criminals, and she never did. She made apologies for hoodlums left and right and thugs and repeat offenders, and she never said anything. And now suddenly today it's like, oh, we have to crack down and I'm encouraging other mayors like she's like the barometer. You know what's amazing? It's amazing because in this electronic world, you have audio. You have audio of what people said just a few days ago. And right after the teens were rioting just a few days ago, remember over the weekend as I was describing, this is what Lori Lightfoot said just a few days ago. How dare she say something so different today? Here's the thing. The mass majority of the young people that came downtown came downtown because it was a great um, weather and an opportunity to enjoy the city. That's absolutely entirely appropriate. Um, there are a few that came with different intentions, and they have, they have and they will be dealt with. Um, but I'm not going to um, use your language, which I think is um, wrong, uh, to say that it's mayhem. She wouldn't even say it was mayhem. Wouldn't you say, like, uh, people burning buildings, people pulling bus drivers out, beating strangers? randomly i call that ma'am that's a nice thing for me to call it and she wouldn't even call it a few days ago and now she has the audacity as she's sitting there at a meeting like acting like she's the big fighter of crime when she never said it and all she did was condemn basically businesses or anybody who spoke out basically saying they were racist uh i mean she really went over the top remember she wouldn't even talk to like white reporters this was like i mean this is unbelievable and for her to make this claim now that she's like tough on crime when she has given repeat offenders of all colors just a free pass is outrageous. And poor Chicago, because, again, after uh, the weekend of mayhem, 
that Lori Lightfoot wouldn't even acknowledge a couple days ago. This is what Brandon Johnson, remember, had to say. This is the new mayor coming in and listen to him making apologies for crime. Look, demonizing children is wrong. We have to keep them safe as well. Have you ever taught middle school? I have. Have you ever raised young people? Do you understand the risk that young people take just because they're young? Do you know that home plate is at the bottom of my stairs? I found that out when my son was sliding down those stairs trying to score. They're young. Sometimes they make silly decisions. They do. And so we have to make sure that we are investing to make sure that young people know that they are supported. Yeah, let's not make excuses. Let's be nice to the people who are pulling people out of buses and cars and see if they get the message and feel emboldened even more to do even more severe crimes. These people are stupid, and it is reckless for these cities across the country. And I will give Mayor Eric Adams credit because he was at the meeting today as well, and he repeated the message about the repeat offenders that he's seeing in New York, and at least he called them out. Take a listen to what he had to say a little bit ago. We have about 2,000 people in our city that are extreme recidivists. They are, they, they are arrested one day, back on the street the next day, carrying a gun, committing another crime. And I refuse to say, just because you are black, I'm going to ignore that fact that you are committing crimes in our community. Well, at least he's saying it. At least he's saying it, and he's an African-American, as we know, former, you know, police you know, a cop for many, many years, Alicia is saying it. And I give him credit for doing that. But right now, he's one of the few people, Democratic mayors, that is saying it. And Lori Lightfoot suddenly had an epiphany today to make some sort of claim about that, which to me is such a bunch of hogwash. Crime is exploding across this country. Things are so bad, by the way. I saw this story today. U.S. demand for bulletproof cars skyrockets. That some people are actually paying, get this, $85,000 for protection so their cars can become bulletproof or they can purchase cars that are bulletproof. It basically uh, started this trend about 18 months ago when crime started skyrocketing across the country because people, guess what? They just don't feel safe. And meantime, you've got people who are saying, well, we've got to cut back on police. We have to somehow figure out a way to you know, minimize police. These people are nuts. Listen to what's going on in D.C. right where that hearing was taking place, that meeting with Lori Lightfoot and Eric Adams and a number of others. D.C. police force is right now facing its worst shortage in American history. They have now the smallest force uh, that they've had since they basically kept record as of 50 years ago. Uh, They have lost since 2020 1,200 police officers. Many of them are just resigning. They're just fed up. And it is because 67% uh, non-prosecution rate after people have been arrested. That basically charges just get dropped or get minimized. And that's it. See ya. The numbers speak for themselves. And you see it in Chicago. You see it. And under Alvin Bragg's New York, you see it all over the country. And then you got these kookadoos. That's the nicest thing I can say about AOC. I want to play what she said on The Daily Show. Because in the middle of what is clearly a crime crisis, so bad that even Lori Lightfoot somehow had, again, an epiphany, uh, AOC is basically saying, why are we beefing up the police? Why are we militarizing society? 
We should send teachers or social workers there. That will really solve everything. Listen to what AOC had to say about that just a few days ago. And I can't wait to get your reaction to this. And you're talking about funding um, uh, violence prevention outside of uh, the police. Mm -hmm. And yet Eric Adams has just increased police wages by 28 Mm percent. Is that misplaced? I, I think so. We are now at a point where officially most officers are paid more than a teacher with a master's degree serving these same kids involved in these same incidents. We are defunding safety, defunding our public schools, defunding our public pools, defunding our parks, defunding our libraries when we are taking all of those resources and demanding that every single department except the militarized one be cut. We are sending a message about who and what we care about. Is there anybody out there who could translate what AOC is saying at a time where crime is skyrocketing, people buying armored vehicles because they're scared to basically drive in major cities in this country? And she's saying we shouldn't be beefing up the police. We should send a teacher or what, a social worker, which is what Brandon Johnson suggests in Chicago when there's a problem. Oh, let's call a social worker. Can you imagine? You saw the images this weekend. Let's send a social worker or a teacher to figure that one out. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to, let's go to Mike first off. Line one. Mike, your thoughts. Go ahead. Thank you for holding. You've been terrific, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. First of all, I want to give a shout out to my friend's son. Uh, uh, His name is Teddy. And he was the father of that young man that, that caught the three kids from a burning building. And his father, Tasso and Anastasio, had just passed away, my riding buddy, uh, about a month ago. So that was like, uh, uh, that was, uh, you know, if Tasso was there, he would have ran right into the flames and all. But uh, Well, I, I am glad, by the way, I'm glad you did. Thank you, Mike. I'm glad you were honoring, uh, obviously, a great heroic uh, family, obviously. Um, and, yes. and tell me, what are your thoughts about crime, Mike? Well, I mean, the only thing that would solve this right now is is uh, bring back the draft. But uh, even, 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 I mean, they can even still. Wait, you say bring back like the draft. That. What are you planning on bringing the military in, the cavalry in? No, 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 no. Bring the draft where the young men are drafted into the service. You know, let the drill instructor be there, their father, the mother, the sister, and their brother. But, uh. That would work a hundred percent, but uh, they can also try. You know, like when we were young kids, they used to like. Uh, you know, the cops used to. You know, like they wanted to. They wanted to control the tough kids by getting them on teams and stuff like that. You know, and then the tough kids would take care of business. You know, the 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 the, the wise guys would fall. So if Bragg wants. He, you know, kids like motorcycles and they like race cars. They could build a uh, what's his name? The mayor could build a racetrack right around Rikers Island. He'd bring a lot of money, a revenue into the city. Okay. Now, in order to race in that track, and you got a lot of tough guys out there that would control the the crime in this city, would would be more than willing to go for it. You know, they have like a council with no peace pipes or nothing. Uh, and say, listen, man, 
we want this. We want this for our young, you know, for our youth in the city. Well, and by, and by the uh, way, Mike, Mike, I hear what you're saying in terms of like I think role models are very, uh, very important and also tough love because uh, I hear you what you're saying on that other part um, and getting values at home because where kids aren't getting it at home, um, and I do think you know obviously finding a role model, whether it's in school, obviously, ideally at home, if they can have one at home. Um, and there are a lot of good parents that are trying. But guess what? If you break the law, there needs to be punishment. And this excuse after excuse that we continue to hear from, say, a Lori Lightfoot, and now the new mayor in Chicago of like, what mayhem? Or it's not constructive uh, to demoralize kids when they're rioting across the city. Uh, that That's not nice. Uh, and then you got AOC basically saying, you know what? It's not a good idea. You know, um, we shouldn't militarize our cities. Are you kidding me? Like, like, I mean, these people are so out of touch and so disconnected. And I don't know how we turn it around. Um, I mean, if you have these kind of people leading cities and this is the new mayor of Chicago again, making excuses, he's worse than Lori Lightfoot. What is the solution, guys? How do we turn this around? We're going to continue your calls. 1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's The Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking about crime in America and weak Democratic leadership. That is allowing this revolving door that we have seen on so many American streets. People getting arrested and right back out. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Joe. Line three. Joe, your thoughts about this? Not only thoughts. First of all, my love, AOC is is, is asinine, obnoxious, and a cretin. She's a disgrace. And on top of it, the majority of the people in her district of the ones who are going to be suffering from crime. They're the victims in Queens and Brooklyn. Uh, Bronx, get a load of this. We, the dog and I, two American Marines, went into Manhattan today to help out of the Catholic Food Bank and the Protestant Food Bank. We went cross town. There was an altercation on the cross town bus on 14th Street. And I intervened and I told the guy, you're with your baby, big guy. I said, let the idiot go. If you get locked up, what's going to happen to your baby? Is a baby in the stroller. Then we're on the M15 bus going up to the East 23rd Street Federal VA Hospital that Biden and Harris attempted to close, attempting also to close the the Brooklyn VA. During which the bang, bang, bang on the bus, a psycho is attempting to force his way onto the bus. He's threatening the bus driver. She's only 21. He's saying, you ran over my stuff. You'll give me $1,000 right in the next five minutes or I'm going to come in there. And then he went over and he was toiling the door open in broad daylight at Alto Mezzo Giorno, high noon, on First Avenue and East 20th Street. Wow. Now, Joe, let me ask you. This is scary stuff. So what did you do and what did everybody else do when this was going on? I hoisted myself out of my wheelchair. I brought my 111-pound American blue-nosed Italian Mastiff dog, American Marine Mongrel, to the door. I yelled to the people in the back of the bus, call 911. And then I took my heavy wooden cane and I put it by the inside of the door. And he's banging and banging and starting to get his hand in. And I said, you're not getting on the bus. Go 
away. Then he starts disrobing and then attempting to get into the bus. And I had the cane ready just inside to jam it down his throat. And then finally, two cops, God bless them, showed up. And instead of saying, I'm sorry, I lost my temper, he was fighting with them and he ended up in handcuffs. Wow. Well, Joe, first off, thank God you are okay. Boy, you are a fighter, my friend, and I'm sure you protected everybody on the bus. And thank God that the cops got him, too. Uh, at least there's a happy ending. Uh, but, boy, that guy's crazy uh, doing that to the bus and then going after the cops, too. Sadly, a typical day in New York. And guess what Alvin Bragg continues to say? It's the safest big city in America. Remember that one? Wow. Uh, let's go to Dave in Pennsylvania. Line four, Dave, go ahead. Uh, Rita, you asked the question, how do you fix this? Five simple words. The punishment fits the crime. Checkmate, game, set, match. Well, you know what? You're you're right on a lot of the parts that they have to be worried to commit crimes. And that's why... I I just think it is preposterous of so many of these soft-on-crime DAs and other politicians that have created this revolving door, and then they say, I'm not sure why crime is happening or what crime, one of the two. They are in denial, 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 and they all play a major role because people feel emboldened. You're right. They need to be worried, and America needs to be protected.